So there was a point in my career where I probably was telling people that I simply was not making enough money in the insurance business. And I was thinking back to some of the many conversations I had that went something like this. One of my friends would be talking about buying a place, and he would tell me how expensive it was, and that he would never be able to afford it, and that it was the landlords that have all the money, and how much he hated them. Of course, what would we be doing during this conversation? Well, my friend would be eating something called avo toast. You know, it's where a restaurant puts avocado on toast and sells it for 9 to $14. And, of course, there'd be a quick trip to a coffee shop where you'd pick up a casual $6.50 cup of coffee that actually costs about 18 to 20 cents to make. And this whole meeting would be organized on $1,000 cell phones while hanging out with girls that carry $2,000 Louis Vuitton purses. With high-quality money management skills like people have today, he might be able to get his own place by the time he's 60. Now, if you work in insurance, you may sometimes discuss money as well. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So get ready. Welcome to the Ultimate Insurance Agency Podcast. Planet of the Agents. Planet of the Agents. Where we give you the real scoop on being an insurance agent and running an agency. This show is all about helping you focus on earning more money as an agent and building your own insurance empire. Empire. Here's your industry-leading host who has generated tens of thousands of insurance leads. This is Dave Baker. Welcome, 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 everybody. Thank you once again for joining me on the big show. As always, I do want to remind you to visit planetoftheagents.com for the most up-to-date info and, of course, to join the club and the newsletter to hear all of the exciting things going on in the business and how you can keep growing your insurance business. Today, I want to talk about a rather important topic. That's right, it's money. Now, I know most of us work in the insurance industry just because we love helping people. But you know what? It's not bad to be compensated for your work. We all want to help people, but in return, we like to squeeze a few dollars out of it if possible. Now, this is a tough question. How much money is enough money? You could Google that for days, and there will be many, many different answers. There are answers where people and studies will show how much people consider you to need in assets to be wealthy, how much you need to earn per year to be comfortable, and really what I've determined is it's a personal decision. Enough money is something that only you can define. How much is enough? Is it based on what you need just to live and get by? I remember when I was a kid and Minimum wage was somewhere in the $4 an hour range, and I would hear talk of people making $15 or $20 an hour, and I was thinking, wow, if one day I can make $15 an hour, I'll be set. I'll be able to have a great place. I'll be able to go out to dinner when I want to. I'll be able to do all of these fun things. But obviously, when you hear $4 an hour, you think, wow, that's really low. And why is that? Well, simply because the cost of things continues to go up. 
If you look at the CPI or the Consumer Price Index, you can see the average rate of increase and percentage increase of many products. It's very interesting. It's something you might want to check out sometime. Now, when I think of making enough money, I think of it as, can I save a certain percentage of my monthly annual or annual income to ensure that I'll have enough money to retire at some point, because that's a little ways off in the future, and will I have enough for a cushion to weather any economic downturn, ideally for years without worrying? As you know, we're in the middle of a very unique, hopefully once-in-a-century experience right now that is causing an economic downturn for a lot of industries. Now, what's great about insurance is that there's enough business to go around and there's always new opportunity. There are many industries where there probably isn't enough business to go around. It's not just about the competition. There's just such a small supply of potential customers. What's great about insurance is that we have an unlimited supply of potential customers. Whether you work in personal lines or commercial lines or even in surety, there are so many customers and America has so many small businesses that it just opens the door for our industry to have so much opportunity, especially on the insurance agency side. Think about this. Does every country in the world have a small business administration literally focused on small businesses? It's likely that they do not. And that's just one of the great things here that creates opportunity. Now, I'm going to rattle off a few numbers here. Obviously, depending on where you live, these numbers will have a different meaning. And what I'm saying is, if you have a place where you're located that has a very low cost of living, then the amount of money that I'm going to read here is going to have a different meaning to you. For example, let's use a hypothetical situation in one of the most expensive cities in the country, New York. A couple with two children could live in New York and make $250,000 a year and still not have enough money to barely get by. I had read in Orange County, California, that the poverty line is somewhere in the $80,000 range for a couple. Now, there are other parts of the country where the poverty line is significantly less. So let's take it all with a grain of salt. So I've done some light research because I often discuss this topic of making money, and I think of that in the insurance sales field as are you being compensated enough for the amount of work that you have to do? So in my research, I reviewed several salary websites, and most of them were actually showing similar numbers about the average salaries for insurance agents. Now, just as a reminder, when I'm talking to insurance agents right now, I'm generally speaking to the mom-and-pop agency, the rural agency, the small-town agency. What that means to me when I think of a, a traditional local agent is two to seven people working at the agency, and it's likely that two or more of the people are actually related, such as a father and son or mother and daughter or father and daughter or husband and wife type of team, or maybe two siblings run the agency. I'm not generally addressing the mega agencies where the average starting salary might be $150,000 and each person sells one policy a year. So in doing the research, 
I looked at quite a few different cities across the country. I looked at where I'm located in glorious, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. And I went to look at numbers in California, New York, Chicago, as those are some of the more expensive places to live. Then I went to look at numbers in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Mobile, Alabama, Louisville, Kentucky, just to get a feel for the different areas. And what I was seeing that on average, the salary ranges went from $43,000 a year to $65,000 on the high side. But those are the outlier numbers. The average was approximately $52,000 per year based on me looking at about 10 different major locations, some being metropolitan areas, obviously, and some being smaller neighborhoods. So when I did that research, I said, okay, so that's the average. Now, obviously, there are going to be some highs and lows, but let's focus on the median, meaning the middlemost number, so to say, so to speak. When I did this research, I then said, I want to compare it to some of the jokes that I make from time to time, where I reference things like, you might be making as much as a barista. Is it really worth your time? So I plugged the same information in, and I pulled up average salaries from some websites, and I said, well, how much does a barista make? And for those of you who are not familiar with the term barista, that would be someone who makes coffee at a coffee shop. Well, the websites indicated that the average salary for a barista was between 17000 and 31000 Phew. Okay. We're making more than baristas on average. This is a good sign. But that's probably because minimum wage is really the average salary. So because minimum wage in some places is still at the federal level of approximately $7.25 an hour, it makes sense that the low end makes 17000 And then on the other side, you see 31000 because there are places now where $15 an hour is minimum wage. So we've passed benchmark number one. Congratulations, everybody. So then I said to myself, well, let's look at another profession. So I looked up garbage man. Do you want to take a second to guess what the average garbage man makes? Now, again, I provide the disclaimer that I did just look at some websites that they indicate that they provide salary research, and I have not confirmed any of the numbers with any Bureau of Labor standards or something similar. But they were indicating that the average, meaning 50%, or so the median garbage man makes approximately $44,600 a year. Now, if you think back a moment, I just mentioned that the average insurance agent makes $52,000 a year. Wow. The average insurance agent makes approximately 12% more than the garbage man. But the garbage man, or garbage woman, if you will, gets to go home at the end of the day and enjoy his or her day. The insurance agent has countless worries, constantly has to be thinking about service, potential E&O claims, what needs to be done tomorrow, what are the ongoing problems, are there renewals, are there non-payment cancellations happening? It's quite a bit of extra stress for 12% more, on average. Now, naturally, I would think that if you're listening to this podcast, then you're not the average agent, or possibly more importantly, you strive to be better than average, and I think that's important. It's hard to determine in life what is success, just like I can't tell you how much is enough money, but to me, I like to think that success means that you've realized your full potential. So when you've realized your full potential, 
that's when you can feel successful. And that's going to have a different meaning for everybody. Think of a weightlifter. Assuming that the weightlifter doesn't take anything to enhance their performance, if a weightlifter's body is able to, let's say, bench press 245 pounds, and that person achieves that goal of hitting 245 pounds of bench pressing, then that person is successful in that field. And I think that's great. Now, let's talk about making money from two different angles first. First, let's talk about agency owners. If you're an agency owner, then certainly you should be making way more than the average. Why would you possibly want to take on the stress, the E&O risk, the accounting tasks, and the human resources tasks just to make the same amount of money that you could at a more, let's say, low-stress job? Secondly, if you're an agent or a broker or producer working on commission, then you have the opportunity to earn as much as you can. We are so lucky to work on commission and not be limited by a fixed hourly or salary amount. You may never have heard this before, but think about this for a moment. Rich people do not trade their time for money. And by working on commission, you're not doing that. You're leveraging greater opportunity. You have unlimited opportunity, so don't waste it. I love getting paid or earning a living based on my performance or sales because it constantly motivates me to do more and to do better. That's why I'm always learning new things about the industry and about marketing and other ways to enhance my business. So have you ever actually analyzed your business? Some people have told me they have not. As you know, I speak to quite a few agents partially because of the podcast and partially because I'm involved in the wholesale side as well as the retail side. So I do connect with a lot of agents. And I ask people when they complain or when they speak about money, have you ever analyzed your business? And some people will tell me no. In fact, I would say 90% of people tell me they've never really analyzed anything. So let's do some simple analysis. First, some people will look at how much money they make per policy. I prefer to look at it based on how much per client. The reason is that you're going to have clients that buy large premium policies from you and that are going to need assistance with small ones as well. Sometimes when an agency helps a client with a very small policy, they call it a courtesy, meaning that they would only offer this uh, small policy to a customer that's already purchased a larger policy. When I first started out, I didn't understand that, but today I do more and more, and we'll talk about that. In my opinion, it's easier for a personalized focused agent or agency to deal with selling more low premium policies. And the reason for this is because it's not common to see five-figure premium policies on personal lines. I do know that there are some of you out there who focus on high-value, high high net worth clients and what some people call a private client group. And those people are going to be selling significantly higher premiums on personal lines. But when you look at the average agency and the average premiums for auto insurance and motorcycle, homeowners, condo renters and watercraft and even umbrellas, the numbers are actually quite low. So it's more of a volume play. Now, for those people that focus on commercial, it's a little bit different. 
So you might have a client that has a significant policy, and that's a relative term, but I will start with the number $5,000 in premium. I do know there are some agents out there who don't sell anything less than $250,000 or $50,000 in revenue, but that's not the average. So let's use $5,000 in premium. Then the commercial producer might have to help them, meaning the client, with a small policy. Let's say a tiny inland marine policy ensuring some tools and equipment. And that might be a $500 minimum premium. Now that producer might cringe when he thinks of selling the $500 premium for a potential commission of between $50 and say $75, but you do have to focus on the fact that you may also have written their other lines, such as their general liability and property or professional liability and umbrellas and such. So you do have to analyze it as a package. And for me, that's why I like to look at how much we're earning per client rather than looking solely at how much per policy. And again, if you're working in personal lines, you want to look at the whole household. They may have two, three, five, ten policies. Who knows? I've seen accounts where someone will have a homeowner's, an auto, an umbrella, five or six rentals. They'll pay for their kids' cars when they live away. There's a lot of opportunity there as well. But what's key here is actually analyzing your income. And why is this important? Because you have to determine if you're making good use of your time. I can think of some times when I had said, I'm actually probably losing money by selling someone a certain type of policy. Let's say, for example, you run a one or two person business, or maybe you have five or six people. Now, why don't you do some just basic math? Let's say that you earn $60,000 a year to take home at the end of the year after your expenses as an agency owner, or $60,000 a year as a, as a producer. So if there are 2,000 theoretical working hours in a year, meaning that you work a 40-hour work week, 50 weeks a year with a two-week vacation, that would suggest that you're making $30 an hour. So you take 60,000 and divide it by 2,000. And there you go, $30 an hour. So let's say it takes you an hour on the phone to sell someone a small policy. What was the commission? What did you net from this? Did you have to split it? Let's say you sold someone a motorcycle policy with liability only. And in some states, I see premiums of $200. Let's pretend that the agency receives 15% commission. And then you, as the producer, actually only gets to keep, say, 40% of that, maybe 50%. So let's say you make 7.5%. Well, how much did you earn on this $200 policy? Did you even earn the $30 an hour? Probably not. Now, depending on how many years you've been in business, I want to hope that you're making six figures and we can divide by another number. So let's say you make $100,000 a year and you work on average 2,000 hours a year. That means you make about $50 an hour. So if you are not selling something that makes more than $50 an hour, is it worth your time? When I started to realize that, it really changed my life. I had to make a conscious decision to only sell policies that would have a certain amount of premium and a minimum amount of revenue. I tend to see this at larger agencies, especially mega agencies, where they literally set rules. I remember the first time I heard a friend of mine saying that he couldn't help me with a quote because 
he didn't earn enough from the sale to get paid. At the time, I was working in retail insurance, and he was a wholesaler, and I asked him for a quote that was, I believe, a $2,000 premium. And he said something like, well, I don't get paid on anything under $5,000, and that's in premium. Then I met someone from a, what I like to call a mega agency, the kind of place that you see in a magazine as one of the top agencies in America, and sometimes in the world, where they rate hundreds of millions in premium. And this gentleman said to me, well, Dave, I don't get paid on anything unless it has a minimum of $50,000 in revenue. Did you catch that? Not premium, $50,000 in revenue. And I was thinking, wow, those are some serious accounts. But then when I heard who he was going after, such as motorcycle manufacturers and complex parts manufacturers and shopping malls with 50 locations, I started to understand. Of course, for him to close one single account, they had to have multiple representatives handle many different aspects of it. And that's not what most average agencies are doing. It's more likely that an average agency has one person handle the entire account. Sometimes they're account managers and CSRs who manage the accounts, but I think it's more likely from what I've seen that one person will sell five or six different lines of coverage to a single customer. So now that you've done a little basic math, you might want to start taking a look at your book of business and thinking, do I want to sell certain monoline policies? What I decided was, it's okay to sell the small policies, but I only want to do it to clients who purchase other policies. So here's how it started for me. The first thing that I was able to sell in volume was golf cart insurance. There was a time when golf carts and similar vehicles were becoming very popular, and I found that a lot of people were calling my agency at the time to purchase this coverage. Then I thought, well, I'm going to sell them these $100 and $200 and $300 premiums, but they're going to come back to me and they're going to buy other coverage. They're going to buy their home and auto. Guess what I found out? They were not. That's when I first learned to do marketing and reach out to my customers and try to sell them more policies. But what I learned was they did not. I should have actually done the reverse. I should have said something like, I'd love to help you with your golf cart insurance, but here at our agency, we need to also write your home and auto to provide this courtesy of helping you with your golf cart insurance. So let's analyze your other policies and see how we can help you. Ultimately, what happened is I probably wrote hundreds of golf cart policies and barely earned enough to justify doing it. At the time, it was new and it felt good to see my name on some policy deck pages and some binders. So I did get some personal motivation out of it, but it was probably a waste of time financially. So how can you make some more money? Well, like I said, number one, you might have to make a conscious decision to sell only certain policies. Number two, you might have to say, I'm only going to help people with very small policies if they bring their whole account to me, whether it's renter's insurance, whether it's a $400 business owner's policy that you sell to someone, you might just have to make that decision. And it's tough at first, but like anything, it can be worth it over time. Number three, you can focus on rounding out accounts and more cross-selling. When you're analyzing your book of business, the first thing I like to do is I like to say, how many monoline policies do I have? Monoline meaning where I've only sold one line of coverage as opposed to multi-line or something that qualifies for a multi-policy discount. 
Think about this. How much could you increase your commissions if you turn them into package policies? Let's say that with a little bit of basic research, I saw that the average auto insurance policy in America is somewhere between $1,000 and $1,500 a year. Obviously, it's more expensive in some of the high-risk states. But imagine if you had 500 homeowners policies and you were to bring in another, say, 300 auto insurance policies with an average premium of, say, $1,500. Well, that's $450,000 of additional premium. I think that would be great. And you didn't even have to go out and find a new customer. You're just contacting your current customer base. The same goes in commercial lines, especially if you're working in small commercial. Small commercial is now going on the internet more and more, so it's important that you round out those accounts. And it's easier to sell a current client than to find a new one. When you look at big companies, they discuss things like customer acquisition costs, you might never be thinking of something like that. And in fact, your cost to acquire a customer is very different because of your business model. But think about this. If you have a current customer and you reach out to them, it could require a very small amount of time. It might require a very simple email blast. And your acquisition cost for a new policy is quite low. Next, number four. I think it's important to check with your carriers and see if they pay you more or less for monoline policies. There are some cases where I actually see, and this is rare, where certain policies when sold on a standalone basis can pay more. But it's more common to see carriers say things like, if you package two policies together, you're going to get an increased commission. I've been noticing over the last few years that monoline policies are highly being discouraged. Now, on the other hand, I somewhat feel like we're moving into a monoline world when it comes to personal lines because loyalty is drifting away and people are going on the internet and purchasing one policy, perhaps an auto, and then they might purchase a different policy from you. And I find one reason for that is because it's hard to purchase property insurance on the internet today, but you have to be thinking about the future. So check with your carriers, look at your commission worksheets and determine if you're missing out on great potential you might literally be receiving 30% less commission, perhaps from 15% to 10% for only selling one line. And that's a pretty significant shift. In fact, in a recent promotional email I saw, it was a commercial carrier saying that if we sold uh, something like uh, business owners policy and workers comp, they were raising the commission to 25%. 25%, that reminds me of the old days. The commission was actually looking like a positive thing instead of something negative. And it was very exciting. Guess what? It's also inspiring. Next, let's look at number five. Should you be spending more time on marketing to generate leads or should you be spending more time to market to your current book of business? As I've already mentioned a few times, a low-cost way to write more policies really is to reapproach your current book of business. Whenever I talk to people about their marketing, they often just tell me the same thing, that they spend all of their money buying leads. And a lot of time they tell me they can't even reach the leads. Well, you could spend a small amount of money or even put in sweat equity and reach out to your current customer base. Do an analysis. Take 100 customers, for example. Contact all 100. It's likely that you won't reach 100 out of 100 people. Let's say you reach 40% of the people. 
and you then sell 20% of those people new policies. That would be eight new policies. I feel that you should be able to reach out to 100 customers, even if using the telephone, within two days. So if you could write eight new policies over two days, that's four policies a day, that would be a great addition. Now, if you have invested in a small amount of technology, you might actually be able to just email them or text them, as is permitted by uh, communication rules, and that would be an even lower cost way to generate more inbound sales, so you could get people to call you back. So let's go to a side topic here, talking about leads for a moment. How much do you spend on leads? Have you done any analysis? Not only how much are you spending, but how many leads do you close and how much do you earn from the leads that you do close? So depending on the type of leads you're buying, they're going to have lower premiums, they might have higher premiums, they might have a very low response rate, or they might be very competitive. So you definitely want to spend time analyzing the return on your leads. And you can look at the lifetime value of a potential customer, or in more simplistic terms, you could just do basic math. Let's say you spend two to $3,000 a month on leads. Let's use 2000 for now. Did you even earn $2,000 back on those leads? And if not, and you're thinking, well, these are going to be customers for several years, do an analysis. Look back six months. How many of the customers still stayed? You don't want to throw good money after bad. So you need to understand what you get for your marketing dollars. So as I mentioned, I often hear agents tell me that they spend all of their money on leads. And my first question is a simple follow-up question. What kind of return do you see? And very few people can ever seem to tell me. I often hear a response like, well, we're selling more policies than before. Or something like, I know we're spending a bunch of money and I know that it's really working. And I said, well, can you give me an example? And they just stare at me blankly or I hear a brief silence on the phone. Some people will tell me they're not sure. But hey, at least they're honest. My response to statements like this is let's make sure that you understand this. You're investing in leads and you cannot tell me your return on investment. Think of all your other investments. Think of when you see an investment at a bank or at a financial firm. Don't they show you an expected return? So don't waste any more time buying leads until you have a good understanding of how they work. How can you spend money on them without tracking the results? That is not how you run a business. In the next part of this series, we're going to be discussing other ways to actually make more money and cut expenses. These are things that I'm always analyzing. I constantly review my expenses, making sure that I'm not wasting money on certain things. And that becomes particularly important with everything going on in the world right now, because Almost everybody I've talked to has mentioned that they've seen a slowdown in business, which is logical. Now, interestingly, there was a company that sent out an email with a report where they did some analysis that showed while independent agency business is down, that internet business is increasing, which means that during times like this, during the pandemic and times when people are sitting at home, they're actually spending their time going on the internet searching for insurance which means they're probably taking away from the independent agency channel. But in some cases, they're actually filling out lead forms and possibly receiving 20 phone calls from filling out one website link and with some, providing some information. But 
It's just a reminder that things are definitely changing faster than many people expected. With all the time that people have at home right now, they're being groomed to do more and more things on the internet. Even I have done some things I previously have not done, such as ordering groceries online. I enjoyed going to the grocery store. I thought it was relaxing. But due to what's going on, even I've had to do things that I wasn't accustomed to. I've talked to some 75-plus-year-old people who told me they barely used the internet before for anything other than fun or reading, and all of a sudden they're doing these new services and using new services that they have not used before. So many of us were expecting to see personal lines on the internet more and more, and I think that's obviously going to be the first thing that's really going to hurt agents. And next, I see that followed by small commercial. So a few topics I've been thinking about and I'm going to address in coming episodes are industries and lines of coverage that won't be hurt as much by the internet. With that in mind, I've recently put together a list of some of my top industries that I think people will want to consider marketing to and going after in the commercial field that are not highly sold online. And I will have that up on the Planet of the Agents website by the time that this podcast comes out. So I hope that you'll join me again for a future episode. Please, as always, send me your questions, your comments, your suggestions, and potential topics you'd like me to discuss on the show. You can email me directly at dave at planetoftheagents.com. Once again, that's dave at planetoftheagents.com. Please remember to sign up for the newsletter. I'd love to keep in touch with everybody. And I wish everybody a happy holiday because I know there are a few holidays coming up depending on which one you like to celebrate. It's one of the first holidays in the early part of the year, before summer. I like to call it the early holiday season. All right, everybody, get out there, keep on growing your business, and right now I want you to focus on retaining those customers. We're all going to get through this pandemic situation, and we're going to come back roaring. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Planet of the Agents. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And head over to our website at planetoftheagents.com to sign up for our newsletter and get even more information on how to grow your insurance agency.